So uh, we're going to continue in our series on humility matters. And as uh, Paul pointed out, um, next Sunday I will be in St. Louis preparing for General Assembly. And then after that I will be on sabbatical for uh, about five weeks. I want to thank the elders for allowing me to have that. And I want to tell you guys today, I'm feeling, it's weird, I'm emotionally, I'm feeling like all over the place. I'm excited about having some time off. Um, but for some reason, I'm really sad this morning. At the same time, I think I might miss you guys. <laughs> um, but I'm not coming back during the sabbatical because I know what will happen. They're like, hey, Stuart, come here. we got to get a job for you. So um, in the meantime, just please pray for me and, and for my family as we spend some time hopefully recharging and revamping and reworking some things so that hopefully when I come back I will be um, much more equipped and ready uh, to lead and to preach and to love you guys well. In the meantime, here's our last sermon until I come back. Um, we've looked at, in Humility Matters sermon series, we've looked at how humility matters to God. God says that he opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble. That's pretty important for us to remember. And we've looked at how humility is really important in relationships. That if we're going to love one another well, humility is foundational. And then today we're going to be looking at some passages from Proverbs. And you'll notice, if you're very astute, and I know some of you are, you'll notice that the word humility does not appear in any of these Proverbs. But that doesn't mean that the concept isn't there. In fact, I think you'll see it's very much there. So if you would like to read in your own Bible, feel free to do this. We're going to be looking at Hebrew, sorry, Proverbs, not Hebrews, Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. And then we're going to be looking at Proverbs 12, verse 15. And then we're going to be reading some verses from Proverbs 26. I know that's a lot, so you can see those passages on the screen. Let me remind you that this is God's word. It is uh, for our good. It teaches us, it corrects us, it trains us, it rebukes us, so that we'll be fully equipped to do what God calls us to do. From Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And then from Proverbs 12, verse 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. And then from Proverbs 26, verses 1 through 12. Like snow in summer or rain in harvest, so honor is not fitting for a fool. Like a sparrow in its flitting, like a swallow in its flying, a curse that is causeless does not alight. 
a whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, and a rod for the back of fools. Answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Whoever sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet and drinks violence. Like a lame man's legs which hang useless is a proverb in the mouth of fools. Like one who, is, who binds the stone in the sling is one who gives honor to a fool. Like a thorn that goes up into the hand of a drunkard is a proverb in the mouth of fools. Like an archer who wounds everyone is one who hires a passing fool or drunkard. Like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Let me pray for us. Lord, we are thankful for your word. Would you please guide us by your spirit to know your truth, to know your wisdom, to see Jesus very clearly, to see our sin and our need for Jesus clearly. And Holy Spirit, would you fill us and empower us not only to hear your word, but to respond to it in faith, repentance, and obedience. We ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Um, back in the 1970s, there were some researchers who did an experiment with pantyhose. And I know that's not something you would expect to hear at the beginning of a sermon or to hear researchers researching about, but just listen. So they asked, these researchers, they asked various women to check out four sets of pantyhose and see which one they liked the best. So the women who participated, they all had different opinions. You know, some liked this one, and some liked number three, and some liked number four, but all of them had this in common, that at least one pair stood out to them as the best. Statements such as, this one is clearly better, or this one is softer than the others, or this one has higher quality, it's obvious, were made. Problem was, they were all the exact same pair of pantyhose, from, made from the same company, no differences. They were exactly the same, and yet these ladies in the experiment would swear to one being better than the others. But it gets better. After the ladies were told that they were all the same pair, rather than accepting what they had heard and go, oh man, I'm such a doofus, they doubled down. And they told the researchers that they were wrong, that they knew better, and that this pair of pantyhose really was better than the other three. Fast forward a bit to the 1980s. In 1986, to be exact, when the Space Shuttle Challenger exploded right after um, taking off, a psychologist 
had some of his students he was teaching at the time write down exactly where they were and exactly what was happening when the space shuttle uh, blew up. And then 10 years later, he took out those files, written in their own handwriting, by the way, and followed up with all of his students and said, tell me what happened, where you were and what happened on the day when the Space Shuttle Challenger blew up. And then he compared it to what they had actually written. Only 7%, 7% of the recollections matched the written ones. 7%. In fact, one of the former students even said, and this is a quote, I know that's my handwriting, but I couldn't possibly have written that. Fast forward one more time to 2016. The British Psychological Society published a study in which people were tested on their views of their own morality in relation to others. And I won't go into all the details of how they chose to figure out whether you think you have greater morality than someone else, but the conclusion is priceless. Here's their conclusion. A substantial majority of individuals believe themselves to be morally superior to the average person. Now, you can't have most people being better than average. That just doesn't work out. But the majority, a substantial majority of individuals believe themselves to be morally superior to the average person. Virtually all individuals irrationally inflated their own moral qualities. And the last sentence of the report, the belief that one is morally superior to the average person appears robust and widespread. And this view of our own moral superiority represents a uniquely strong and prevalent form of a positive illusion. Now what do all those studies have in common? All of them have in common that we can be wrong or mistaken about something and not even know it. And at the same time we can be so convinced that we are right that even when the evidence is demonstrated that we are not, we tend to choose to believe our own views rather than give them up as wrong. We've talked about several things in this sermon series about what humility looks like. Today we want to look at how humility matters for the way we think. Humility matters for the way we think. Not just what we do, but for the way we think. Take a look at Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. For some of you, this is a very familiar passage, but let's take a look at it with fresh eyes. Hear what it says. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make straight your paths. 
Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Several things that are being pointed out there. First, instead of trusting in yourself with all your heart, we're to trust in God. We're trusting the Lord. Instead of leaning on our own understanding, we are to lean on the Lord. Instead of acknowledging ourselves and trying to make our own path straight, we are to acknowledge God. And instead of being wise in our own eyes, we are to fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Now, what does it mean to be wise in your own eyes? What, what does that mean? It, it's basically this idea that a, it's a prideful self-reliance in which we believe and act as if we don't need God. We don't need God's wisdom. And really, we don't need your wisdom either. I've got it. I'm good. Don't get all, up all in my grill. I got it. I'm the master of my fate. I got my course planned out, and I am following my heart, and I know what's best for me. That's being wise in your own eyes. And as my parents used to say, We are eat up with that. That idea that we're wise in our own eyes, that we think we are the ones who know better than anyone else. After all, I'm me. So obviously I know better than anyone else about me. And there's there's some truth in that, but ultimately we have blind spots. We have things that we can't see about ourselves. And look, as well as I know myself, God who created me knows me much better. And so humility matters in the way we think. We're not to be wise in our own eyes, but we are to trust the Lord and lean on Him, not on our own understanding. And part of the reason why humility matters this way is because pride distorts our thinking in various ways. Pride distorts our thinking in various ways. I think it's hilarious, and and I mean, and I am guilty of this myself, so I am not saying all of you have a problem and I am exempt. I am the chief of sinners in this area, okay? But we all have a tendency to think that we are rational, logical, reasonable thinkers, right? I've never met a person who said, oh yeah, I'm just irrational in all the decisions I make. We tend to think we're good thinkers. We tend to think we see things clearly and objectively. But that's not always the case, is it? It's really interesting to me, and and it's it's become more of a study um, in our culture, in our society, and also something that I've been interested in myself, is what psychology, psychologists call cognitive biases. Do you, do you know the phrase, cognitive biases? It's when in, in, your, in your thinking, you're biased in a certain way and you don't even know it. You're thinking in a certain way, but you don't know it. Think, for example, confirmation bias is one. 
that's when we pay more attention to the information that confirms what we already believe. It reinforces what we already believe. And this is one of the reasons why fake news can be spread so easily and so quickly. Because whatever the fake news is, whether it's on the right or on the left or in the middle, if we already believe it, then we are easy, easily passing it on to others rather than saying, is this true? Or there's the actor-observer bias. I'm the actor and I'm observing you, all right? Or I'm observing, sorry, you're the actor and I'm observing you, or I'm the actor and you're observing me. We have a tendency to attribute negative actions or results to um, others. Like, for example, let me give you an example. If I fail to remember to call one of you, then I'm going to give myself a pass. I'm going to say, oh, well, I was busy, and I just, I forgot. I'm going to give myself that pass. If one of you failed to call me, then in my mind I start thinking, I bet that person's mad at me. I bet they're angry about something. I bet they're upset about something. I bet they don't like me. We, we tend to attribute negative motives to other people while giving ourselves a pass. That's one of our biases. And then there's the experience bias. And this one is one that is very common recently. The tendency to conclude something based on our own experience. For example, during the pandemic, if you were one of the people who, you know, you tested positive for COVID and you had very little to no symptoms, your tendency would be to say, no big deal. I don't know why they're making such a big stink about this. If, on the other hand, one of your relatives got COVID and died, then you're going to act like it's the next thing since the Black Plague. Right? We're taking experience rather than facts. And by one count, there are over a hundred cognitive biases that affect us. And yet, we all tend to think we're excellent thinkers. You know what's at the bottom of that? Pride. Pride distorts our thinking, keeps us from seeing what we're really like. We think we're right in our own eyes, but Proverbs 12, 15 tells us the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Now, when, in the book of Proverbs, when you, we use the word fool, it doesn't just mean somebody who's dumb, okay? I, I love what Bruce Waltke says about fools in his commentary on Proverbs. He says this, fools are people with morally deficient characters that prompt their irrational behaviors. They are because deaf to wisdom, they, from their distorted moral vision, of which they are cocksure, they delight in twisting values that benefit the community. Not quite the type of person you aspire to be like, right? Nobody says, ooh, I want to be like that. And yet the truth is, all of us have that tendency to be wise in our own eyes. 
But God says in His Word, Proverbs 3, 7, Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Another quote I came across as I was studying for this is from a book, and it's a great title, called Being Wrong. The whole book is about how we are wrong about stuff. It's not like uplifting reading. It's by Kathleen Schultz, and she says this, A whole lot of us go through life assuming that we are basically right, basically all the time, about basically everything. About our political and intellectual convictions, our religious and moral beliefs, our assessment of other people, our memories, our grasp of facts. As absurd as it sounds, when we stop to think about it, our steady state seems to be one of unconsciously assuming that we are very close to omniscient. That last line, basically, we're acting like God, thinking that we're right all the time, being wise in our own eyes. But again, Proverbs 12, 15, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But a wise man listens to advice. Remember how Waltke described a fool? Morally deficient, irrational behavior, deaf to wisdom, distorted moral vision. I want you to see something that I I just found out uh, recently when I was reading through the Proverbs, and it struck me and it hit me so hard that I wanted to share it with you. Because I like being hit hard, and I think you like being hit hard, apparently. So Proverbs 26, and I'm going to speed through this, so um, forgive me for not explaining every single verse, but I just want you to see the impact. Verse 1, like snow in summer or rain in harvest, so honor is not fitting for a fool. Verse 3, a whip for the horse and a bridle for the donkey and a rod for the back of fools. Verse 4, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Verse 5, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Let me stop there just for a minute. I know some of you are going, wait a second, how can you do both? It's wisdom. It's knowing the difference between when to answer and when not to answer. Sometimes it's right to answer, sometimes it's not right to answer. Wisdom gives you the difference of being able to know that. All right, verse 6, whoever sends a message by the hand of a fool cuts off his own feet and drinks violence. That's pleasant. Verse 7, like a lame man's legs which hang useless is a proverb in the mouth of fools. Verse 8, like one who binds the stone in the sling is one who gives honor to a fool. Verse 9, like a thorn that goes up into the hand of a drunkard is a proverb in the mouth of fools. I'm assuming there might be some cursing going on when that thorn goes up into the drunkard's hands. Verse 10, like an archer who wounds everyone is one who hires a passing fool or drunkard. And then verse 11, another pleasant one, like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Now you read all those verses and you go, ooh, It's rough being a fool. I do not want to be like a fool at all. That sounds terrible. Verse 12. Do you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? 
there is more hope for a fool than for him. And unfortunately, being wise in our own eyes is something that can apply to all of us. We all tend towards that. We're all prone to pride, which distorts our thinking. We're all prone to think that we're wise when we're not. We're all prone to think that we're better drivers than the next guy. We're all prone to think that we're less lazy than others. We're all prone to think that we are consistent in our morality, but other people are not. And most of the time when we think these ways, it's because pride is distorting the way we think about ourselves. One last quote, and this isn't a C.S. Lewis quote. Hey, last week I gave you three C.S. Lewis quotes. This time it's from a guy named Brant Hansen, and he says this, we will twist logic, bend reason, conveniently forget facts, invent new stories, and even destroy relationships all in the name of preserving our precious illusion. We'll sacrifice anything. It really is that important to us. This is how addictions work. And when it comes to our own need to be right, well, we're all addicts who need to be set free. Hi, my name is Stuart Mazell, and I'm an addict when it comes to being right. And I need to be set free. What sets us free? Well, in part, humility. Humility causes us to look beyond ourselves for truth and wisdom. Humility causes us to look beyond ourselves for truth and wisdom. Again, Proverbs 3, 5 through 7, trust in who? The Lord. With all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. Look outside of yourself to see real wisdom and real truth. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. Don't be wise in your own eyes, but fear God, fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. That's what is true wisdom, and that's what true humility looks like. Now, maybe for Christians, it might be easy for us to say, well, you know, of course, we're supposed to listen to God. But then there's also Proverbs 12, 15, right? The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. (laughs) But we don't, sometimes we don't like advice. We don't ask for advice, and we especially don't like advice that is unsolicited, right? Just don't like it. But humility, humility causes us to be always listening to see Am I really seeing this correctly? Am I really thinking about this correctly? Do I need correction? We look outside of ourselves. One of the the biggest heresies, one of the biggest errors in this culture is follow your own heart. 
you follow your own heart, you're likely to do some things that are going to do damage to you and to other people. But no, we look outside of ourselves for truth and wisdom. And ultimately, the truth and wisdom we need is found in Jesus, right? This is what we believe, church. The truth and wisdom we need, they're found in Jesus. Jesus himself says in John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You want to know truth? You know Jesus. Or 1 Corinthians 1, 30-31. Because of God, because of Him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. And we don't boast in ourselves. We don't lean on our own understanding. We look to Jesus and we say, Jesus, you're my everything. You're my truth. You're my wisdom. And, and as Paul says in Colossians 2, 2 through 3, where he says he struggles so that their hearts, the Colossians' hearts, may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of the understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now I want to ask you, just based on what we just said, why would we not turn to Jesus if He has all the truth and wisdom and knowledge? Why would we trust ourselves? That is foolishness. When Jesus has it all, and we can come to Him because He died for us and rose from the dead for us, that we would be His, and He offers us His wisdom and His goodness and His truth, and we say, ah, I got it on my own, Jesus. That is folly of the highest degree. So if you like action points, let me give you a few. Here are three. First, Pray regularly for humility. I, I'm convinced, and I said this in Sunday school today uh, at our table, I'm convinced that humility is foundational for the Christian life, for living as a Christian. Humility is foundational. And if we don't have it, we're going to mess each other up, <laughs> and we're going to mess up the people around us. So let's pray regularly. For humility. And, and, and let me say, if you pray regularly for humility, it's a little bit like praying for patience. You might find yourself being humbled a bit. But let me tell you, better to ask for humility and be humbled a little bit than to not ask for it and puff yourself up and then fall really hard. Kind of like Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel. If you don't know the story, he was like, look how great I am. And then God made him basically like an animal that crawled on all fours and ate grass. I don't want to eat grass. So I think praying for humility might be a good thing. Second, ask for help. Ask for advice. Ask for wisdom. I know some of us, we just don't want to ask for help. 
We don't want to ask for advice. We don't want to ask for wisdom, but ask for it. Ask for it from God first and foremost, but then let's ask each other. You know, there are people in this room who I would trust with my lives because they are wise people. And yet at the same time, on certain things that I'm thinking, I hesitate to ask their wisdom because I know what they might say. And it's opposite of what I want to do. That's pride. That's being wise in your own eyes. So instead of being that way, ask for help, ask for advice, ask for wisdom. And then finally, seek the mind of Christ. And here's what I mean by that. It's, it's based on what I just said a few minutes earlier. If we know that Jesus has all knowledge and wisdom and all truth in and of himself, why do we go to other sources without going to him first? So let's seek Jesus. When we have big decisions to make, seek Jesus. When we're trying to figure out how to deal with a hard situation, seek Jesus. Go to his word and read what he has to say. And, and humble ourselves to say, I'm not sure I understand this correctly. In fact, I probably don't understand this correctly. So I'm coming to you, Jesus. Teach me. Let me sit at your feet and learn from you. Let me tell you, as I close this sermon, let me tell you one way that I've seen... Oh, it's painful. Okay, one of the ways that I've seen... Um, pride and being wise in my own eyes come up in my own life. I've been at this church since 2007. I was the assistant pastor, and then the associate pastor, and then the whatever you call me now pastor. And uh, I remember a time right, right, right when I started becoming the senior, I guess, pastor. I was so full of myself. I thought I knew what was best for this church. And I made some decisions and I did some things that I, I, I don't think were all that healthy. And one of those decisions was I made our worship, our worship service the Stewart Show. Those of you who have been here for a long time, you probably remember this. I did everything from the very beginning of the service all the way to the end of the service. And if somebody said, hey, I can do that for you, I say, no, I've got it. I look back on that now and I realize that was pride. I was being wise in my own eyes. I thought I had it going on. And yeah, God was at work. But there was still pride there. Me thinking, nobody can do it as good as I can. And unfortunately, I not only believe my own hype, I believe some of your hype. When I would try to let go of some things, and somebody would come up here and do something, and then some of you would come to me and say, oh, well, that person didn't do as good as you did, Stuart. And so I stopped letting them do it. And I did it. Rather than teaching them to get better at what they're doing so that we're sharing the load. And no wonder I got depressed and I got anxious 
No wonder I almost had a breakdown. No wonder I almost was on all fours at one time eating grass. Because I built myself up. I don't ever want to get to that place again. I don't want any of you to ever get to that place. So let's continue to look to Jesus. Let's continue to look to Jesus for growth and humility. Believing the Spirit will truly work this virtue in us because He promises He will. Let me pray for us that we'll be able to see that at work in us. Uh, Father, forgive us, forgive me for my pride, for my own arrogance, for me being wise in my own eyes and thinking I've got more than I really actually do. Forgive me for the times where I neglected to listen to advice and wisdom from others. Forgive me for the, time that, the times that I didn't ask for advice when I really should have. Help me to humble myself before you and to learn your ways, to trust in you and to lean not on my understanding but on yours. And I pray that for all of these folks that they too would do the same, that they would trust you because you're a good father who knows how to give good gifts to your children and you're not going to give us anything that would not be good for us. Even if in the time it is painful and it feels bad, it's still from your hand, it is something used to make good in our lives. So help us, Lord Jesus, to fix our eyes on you, to learn humility from you, and by your Spirit, would you give us real humility that we would not only humble ourselves before you, we would humble ourselves before each other, we would humble ourselves before a watching world, and we would all see the beauty of humility. And this we pray, Jesus, in your name and for your glory. Amen.